Hello everyone, and welcome to the June 3rd edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez with Floyd, Skarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel decision refused to hold an applicant personally liable for payment of his own self-procured medical expenses for treatment outside of an MPN. Here's what happened in the case of Crispin Mendez Correa versus Vivoda Dairy. Applicant obtained treatment on his admitted injury claim within the MPN until he was MMI. He then moved to Southern California where he obtained an attorney who designated Kalita Med, MD, as a primary treating physician. The defendants objected that the doctor was not in the MPN. Dr. Ahmed and numerous other MPN providers subsequently filed treatment, medical liens, and other liens in the case. There was no evidence at trial that applicant chose to go outside the MPN at his own expense instead of using the employer-provided care. Indeed, the record did not reflect why he went outside the MPN except that his attorney sent him to a non-MPN physician. He was ultimately awarded 7% permanent disability and future medical care. With respect to the treatment liens, the WCJ ruled that the applicant obtained self-procured medical treatment outside defendant's MPN at his own expense under Labor Code Section 4605. The WCAB panel agreed that the employer was not responsible for the treatment, but reversed and concluded that the medical treatment was not, however, at applicant's own expense. The injured worker is only liable for medical treatment that he intended to self-procure at his own expense. The WCAB panel concluded that although the employer is not responsible for payment of the treatment, similarly, the applicant is not personally liable for the treatment either unless he intended at the time to treat his own expense. It would seem that the medical providers end up being caught in the middle without the ability to collect their fees from anyone. And now, our fraud report. Roberto Velasquez, a San Diego area clinical psychologist, was sentenced in federal court for perpetrating a multi-year fraud scheme. Velasquez was ordered to serve 21 months in federal prison, followed by two years of supervised release, and to pay more than $1.5 million in restitution. Velasquez masterminded a scheme whereby he falsely certified that dozens of patients were disabled when in fact they were not. Velasquez made up patient histories, fabricated test results, suggested symptoms and complaints that did not exist, intentionally underestimated patient scores on standardized tests, and lied about the length of time he had been seeing the patients. He charged his patients to a $200 kickback in exchange for each false report. Velasquez admitted that he falsified two different types of disability reports. First, he falsified medical certification on disability exception forms which are used by the Department of Homeland Security during the naturalization process. The false certifications allowed certain immigrants to avoid taking the English language and civics portion of the U.S. citizenship exam. Velasquez also admitted that he submitted fraudulent medical reports to the Social Security Administration, falsely certifying that certain patients were eligible for disability benefits when he knew they were not. The Social Security Administration paid out at least $1.5 million in unwarranted disability benefits based on his false certifications. Velasquez also admitted that approximately one-third of his patients' files 
contain fabrications, false statements, and false certifications of disability. The fraud was uncovered through an undercover operation involving multiple federal law enforcement agencies. 47-year-old Wendy Lancer of Los Altos and 33-year-old Lisa Shaw O'Connor of Fremont have been charged with multiple felonies involving medical billing insurance fraud. A pair of chiropractors are scheduled to be arraigned on July 11th. If convicted, Lancer faces a maximum of 19 years and 18 months in prison and Shaw O'Connor a maximum of 13 years. Both could be ordered to pay full restitution. Lancer owns Lancer Chiropractic in Sunnyvale. Shaw O'Connor is a part-time chiropractor working out of that office. It is alleged that over several years, Lancer provided weekly chiropractic treatments for her husband and two children. She then submitted insurance claim forms for payment in the name of an unwitting employee chiropractor. This would constitute medical billing fraud because the name of the servicing physician on the form is not the physician that actually provided the treatment. In addition, the insurance policy that covers Lancer and her family specifically excludes medical treatment provided by a family member. In more recent cases, her accomplice, Shaw O'Connor, allegedly knowingly signed insurance claim forms as a servicing physician for Lancer's family members when she did not provide the chiropractic services. The scheme was uncovered by a joint investigation by the California Department of Insurance and the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office. And in regulatory news, Cal OSHA fined Alta Bates Summit Medical Center in Oakland about $140,000 for not properly isolating nearly two dozen patients suspected of having tuberculosis. Officials say that the hospital failed to put the patients in appropriately ventilated rooms to prevent the disease from spreading to other patients and hospital employees. As it turned out, none of these patients tested positive for tuberculosis, so no one was infected. But that did not appease hospital employees and their union who are in the midst of a strike against Alta Bates Summit and other Sutter Health affiliated hospitals in the East Bay. Employees claim that the hospital knew for over a year and a half that the one negative pressure room in the intensive care unit did not adequately protect anyone in the area. A negative pressure room has a ventilation system that sucks air out of the room to prevent it from spilling into hallways and other areas of the hospital. Cal OSHA said the system was not working properly. The hospital plans to appeal the citations, two of which were labeled willful and serious. The hospital spokesman noted that the hospital has a team of infection control and other experts who work to ensure a safe environment. Cal OSHA also faulted the hospital for not ensuring that employees use a respirator when they perform certain procedures on patients suspected of having an infectious disease such as tuberculosis. A new proposed state ballot measure is underway that would, allow, that would require doctors to be randomly subjected to drug and alcohol testing. The measure is being pushed by Bob Pack, a tech mogul who is on a very personal crusade to clean up state medical practices. Pack is a former AO land net zero executive whose son and daughter were killed a decade ago by an intoxicated driver. After a campaign to put the killer behind bars, Pack turned his attention to helping the state track patient prescriptions and spot doctor shoppers 
looking for pills. PAC tried and failed to qualify a ballot initiative that would have taxed drug companies to pay for the prescription tracking. Now, he's taking aim at doctors who abuse drugs themselves. He's enlisted the help of consumer advocate Harvey Rosenfeld. He's the guy behind the landmark 1988 measure regulating the insurance industry and former, former Clinton White House advisor Chris Lehane, whose trial lawyer clients have already dropped $2 million into a campaign account. Pack and his pals are armed with a new policy showing 85% of California voters would be on board with random testing of physicians. They're also touting an article in the prestigious Journal of American Medicine advocating confidential mandatory testing. They're looking to hit the streets this summer with either a single-issue measure or a multi-prong initiative. The Division of Workers' Compensation has again modified the proposed interpreter services regulations. DWC posted the modified regulation text and forms on the DWC website and electronically distributed the second 15-day notice of modification to interested parties. Members of the public may comment on the modifications until 5 p.m. on June 14th. The proposed modifications include a new subdivision to allow certification by passing the National Board of Certification for Medical Interpreters National Board exam or requiring recertification as set forth by Certification Commission for Healthcare Interpreters. A certified interpreter who is not listed on the CCHI or National Board Registry must provide proof of certification to the claims administrator upon request under these proposed regulations. And in medical news, researchers of the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine report that a single injection of human neural stem cells produced neuronal regeneration and improvement of function and mobility in rats impaired by an acute spinal cord injury. The findings are published in the online issue of Stem Cell Research and Therapy. Researchers found that grafting human neural stem cells produced an array of therapeutic benefits from less muscle spasticity to new cell connections. The human stem cells appear to vigorously take root at the injury site. And the injury-caused cavity was completely filled by grafted cells. The rats received the pure stem cell grafts three days after injury and were given drugs to suppress an immune response to the foreign stem cells. The grafted stem cells appear to be stimulating host neuron regeneration and partially replacing the function of lost neurons. The scientists used a line of human embryonic stem cells that have recently been approved for phase one human trials in patients with chronic traumatic spinal injuries. The ultimate goal is to develop neural precursor cells from stem cells derived from patients which would likely eliminate the need for immunosuppression treatment. The next step in this research is a small phase one human trial to test safety and efficacy with patients who have suffered a thoracic spinal cord injury one to two years earlier and who have no motor or sensory function at or below the spinal injury site. Exciting. The Chief of Neurosurgery for the Veterans Affairs San Diego Healthcare System will oversee the clinical trial at UC San Diego and the VA. If the initial study confirms safety and efficacy 
as well as the viability of the implanted cells, neural regeneration, and decreased spasticity, the protocol can be expanded to other patients with other forms of severe spinal cord injury. People with fibromyalgia suffer from chronic widespread pain, sleep problems, and fatigue. The illness affects more than 5 million Americans, 80% of whom are women. The cause of fibromyalgia is unknown and currently there's no cure. In a new study of fibromyalgia, patients, says, patients say that two commonly prescribed fibromyalgia drugs may cause as much harm as good. The two medications often prescribed to treat fibromyalgia are diloxetine, known by the brand name Sayambalta, or Milnacrapin, commonly known as Savella. 22% of the patients studied showed substantial improvement, while nearly an equal number, 21%, had to quit the regimen due to unpleasant side effects. There's an enormous amount of advertising suggesting that these drugs really help, whereas the research data show that the improvement is actually really minimal. The study recommends that there be a frank discussion between the physician and patient about the potential benefits and harms of both drugs. The reviewers added that treatment with drugs alone should be discouraged. Instead, the authors recommend a multifaceted treatment approach, including medications for those who find them helpful, exercises to improve mobility, and psychological counseling to improve coping skills. The only other medication approved for fibromyalgia treatment in the United States is the anticonvulsant pregoblin, known by the brand name Lyrica. A review of its effectiveness will be published later this year. Researchers say that intensive neuroscientific research is needed to reveal the underlying causes of fibromyalgia and other pain syndromes. In the meantime, combinations of various modifications, as well as combinations of drug and non-drug treatments, may offer better symptom control for sufferers. Well, that's all, all of our news for, and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcast and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and drop by again next week for more news.